This Cap Times podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Learn more at exactsciences.com. After a lengthy investigation into how the Wisconsin National Guard handles cases of sexual assault, a team of federal investigators is ready to share the results of its report with state leaders. Cap Times investigative reporter Caitlin Farrell has been on this story for months, and this past week she published a few pretty big updates. I caught up with Caitlin in a coffee shop downtown to talk about what we've learned so far and what we can expect in the coming days and weeks. I'm Jesse O'Poyan, and this is Wedge Issues, a Cap Times podcast about state government and politics in Wisconsin. I'll bring you my conversation with Caitlin right after the break. This podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences. Join the Madison-based team working to lead earlier cancer detection. Visit exactsciences.com to view the company's hundreds of open jobs. Well, Caitlin, I'm catching you in the middle of kind of a busy day because you're nonstop reporting after like a little bit of a bombshell report this week. So you are an investigative reporter for the Cap Times, but you're also reporting currently on sexual assault in the National Guard through a fellowship that's got you partnering with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and the Cap Times. So before we get into the actual meat of the story, why don't you just explain why this story is being published in these two outlets and how you're dedicating yourself to doing this reporting? Sure. Yeah, what you said is right. Um, as as maybe readers might remember, and as you had mentioned, I um, did start reporting on the National Guard for the Cap Times back in May of this year and wrote a four-part series kind of looking at how the Guard investigates sexual assault using one woman's story as that. And so I've sort of, um, you know, taken the beginnings of that reporting and have expanded it for the project I am doing for a fellowship um, called the O'Brien Fellowship in Public Service Journalism based at Marquette University in Milwaukee. And so the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel was a founding partner and really collaborator in establishing that program. And so because of that, the Cap Times has agreed to allow me to basically duly publish my work in both outlets and work with editors there on stories that are centric to Wisconsin in regards to the National Guard, but also I'm working on kind of a more expansive national look at this system, hopefully to run later this year. But um, yeah, that fellowship involves me being in residence at Marquette for nine months. I'm working and managing a team of students who also are writing side stories on this as well. And so this is what is happening today and this week is just sort of the beginning of ongoing reporting that is going to roll out through May of 2020. And we're talking right now, it's Thursday afternoon. We're actually downtown um, in Ancora, like hold up at the coffee shop yeah. because you've been working out of the Capitol all day. And so yeah. the sound quality is probably not like our best ever, but we're just grabbing you while you have a few minutes. And yeah. we're also going to have this caveat that um, this story has been moving kind of quickly and developing pretty quickly over the last 24 hours or so while we're talking. So we're going to try to stay 
a more like 30,000 foot view mm -hmm. and um, things may have changed some, you know, in the time between us talking and this publishing, but we're going to try to avoid that as much sure. as we can. Yeah. Yep. Um, so the, the headlines that came out of this story were, and, and the quotes that came out of your story that published on uh, late Wednesday night were pretty eye-catching, I would say. Um, these federal investigators were in Wisconsin looking at the way that the Wisconsin National Guard investigates sexual assault and the federal investigators described some of these processes as a train wreck um, and said that some members of the Wisconsin National Guard, some of their investigators completely effed up. Um, I'm guessing they probably didn't say effed up, but I don't think we can say that yeah. on the podcast. Yeah. Um, so what what uh, were they referring to in you know, these really harsh criticisms? What did they allegedly F up? Sure. So the, the audio recordings that I quoted in my story that was published last night, they were recorded as a part of an interview that these federal... National Guard Bureau investigators were doing with um, a victim and the attorneys related to that case in one of the state's sexual assault court martials that that the National Guard attempted to to do. And so a court martial is essentially when um, a military entity criminally prosecutes another member of the military for violating criminal law. So it's like a it's like a, you know, a criminal trial but it's just in the military realm. Court martials can result in jail time, which it it did end up in this case a brief amount of jail time. Folks, I mean there's there's a wide range of offenses under which someone can be prosecuted under a court martial. So the National Guard has done relatively few court-martials. They're much less common in the Guard in both Wisconsin and in states across the country than they are in active duty military branches. But in this case, this was um, this was a sexual assault that the state believed did occur and was egregious enough to push towards a court-martial. However, um, the victim in this case, um, the victim's attorney, Lord explained sort of how this how this happened and how the case was handled. And when investigators were asking her questions, sorry, the victim questions about this process, they, they made the comments that I quoted about it being a train wreck. And so it's it's a pretty convoluted legal um, process, but there's you know there's a, a preliminary portion of a court martial called an Article 32 that investigators thought had been messed up, and so. That's really what they were responding to. Um, they were they were interviewing her to try to understand the degree to which the guard followed these processes accurately, uh, and that's a part of this larger report um, that we can get into as well. So this was just one example of many where these federal investigators came to Wisconsin to interview, you know, members of the guard who've been affected by this issue and have gone through the judicial, legal, investigative process through the guard. So we're waiting right now, and in a number of days, so depending on when people are listening to this, this report will be eventually released after uh, Governor Evers can discuss it with the Adjutant General and um, figure out the next course of action. But we don't have it yet, but let's just pull back to the beginning of this. What prompted this report? What, prompt, what are they investigating? What are they looking for? Sure, a few things. This report came at the request of uh, Governor Tony Evers and Senator Tammy Baldwin. They both jointly had to ask federal investigators from the National Guard Bureau to come in and examine 
the degree to which Wisconsin was following protocols. Uh, what led to this was a series of reports that uh, there had been earlier reporting from the Associated Press. They've highlighted a man who's a whistleblower in the Air Force Guard who says that he had witnessed several sexual assaults and when he reported them has been retaliated against. Um, my reporting came out around the same time, talking about the Army Guard. Um, I did a series of four stories and had focused on one particular woman, but also did reporting about an internal report that showed that there was widespread sexual misconduct in one unit and a group of men who were preying on female soldiers for sexual favors. And so all this really started to come to a head around the same time. And I'm aware of several members of the Guard also who had sent formal complaints to Senator Tammy Baldwin's office and um, sent, you know, state Senator Scott Fitzgerald and also Governor Tony Evers. So I think these, these elected officials were hearing from their constituents and then you know, more and more news started to break and, uh, and it led for, for Evers and Baldwin to make this call. And so Wisconsin is not the only state where the feds have come in to do a whole review of this. The National Guard Bureau has told me that six other states, I don't know if they're all related to sexual assault problems, but Six other states have had the feds come in to examine their policies. Okay. And this has been going on for, what, seven months? Correct, yep. Or the, the investigation itself has been going on for seven months. Yep, it's been going on for seven months. It originally was scheduled to be concluded in January, but I'm told it was finished early and is going to be in part because it is expected to be quite lengthy and very dense. The, the Guard Bureau investigators, um, I believe did around 78 individual interviews with National Guard personnel. They visited 10 military installations across the state and I think reviewed 1,100 or so documents. So my understanding is that these investigators made themselves available to every single member of the National Guard in the state to, to, to speak with an interview. So essentially up until this point, you've had individuals who have come forward to lawmakers or to the governor, and you've had individuals who have come forward to you, to other reporters, to talk about this on their case-by-case -case basis, but this is a really comprehensive, official, federal government-sponsored look at trying to find the, the whole of, of those parts, is that right? Correct. And what's what's novel or new about this report also is that these investigators had access to all of the state's records, which are really hard to get and really often shielded from public view because they are technically federal, they are federal records that are housed within the state. And generally, the folks, there's a whole other um, rabbit hole we can go down about how difficult it is to actually access these records because it ends up getting you in a catch-22 with the state saying they're not going to give them to you under state open records law because they're FOIA and then you FOIA them and FOIA says they're all located in the states and so we can't get them for you. So it's pretty, it is, you know, I would, very, very difficult to really understand and discern like how many cases there are, how they're investigated, and what, what, how officials are communicating with each other about how to deal with this. And so these federal investigators came in and the state had to open up everything to them. And so it really is hoping, I think, to be a glimpse, you know, it, it's just they, they had access in a way that no one else, I think, generally a member of the public or even a reporter trying to go through channels would not have. So how much of that information do we expect to be available when this report is released? Is it going to be something that's pretty heavily redacted or are we going to be able to get kind of a window into what they were able to learn? 
You know, I'm really not sure. I, as far as redactions go, I, my, my, my thought is that they would write the report in a way to not personally identify folks involved in these cases, sure. but yet summarize how protocols were were followed or not followed and where breakdowns occurred without really naming anyone. Sure. So my thought, although you know, I, I admittedly have not seen another state review of this kind, but that they'd write the report and it the report is just what it is. It's not going to be redacted. Right. But just, although, I mean, I do know from sources, so including the, the case I highlighted in my story yesterday, that they don't name names, but they highlight specific cases sure. and, and they, as, as particularly problematic, if that makes sense. And sure. so, yeah. Okay. Um, so what is the guard saying about this? So, you know, not much. I have reached out to them. They haven't responded yet. Um, the, the I've reached out to the, the Wisconsin Guard spokespeople and then the National Guard Bureau's spokeswoman in Arlington, Virginia. Um, so they haven't said anything about this. We've, we've learned or we've been told from the governor's office that they have attempted to brief the Adjutant General Donald Dunbar on the contents of the report for a couple days, my understanding is, and they have not been able to schedule a time with him to do so. And so they expect to do that on Saturday, after which point my understanding is that they will they will release the report. So, but he needs to, you know, he needs to be briefed on it first. Sure. And they'll be briefing lawmakers too on Cor Monday or the start Cor of the week? Correct. Um, they're briefing. So Evers people are not briefing lawmakers. My understanding is that the feds are flying back to Wisconsin oh, wow. from the coast in order to, to, to do all this again. So okay. to brief lawmakers um, on this on Monday. Okay. Uh, do we know anything else about next steps um, from a, a state perspective or a federal perspective? What might happen in, in response to this? So ultimately, there are actions that the federal government can take in some regard when it comes to you know, funding for the National Guard and all of that. However, when it comes to who is really in charge of what's happening in the state, Governor Evers is our commander-in-chief. Now, Donald Dunbar serves for a five-year term that is enshrined, that is outlined in our state constitution, is my understanding, and it's a five-year term, particular, specifically outside of the four-year realm. Sure. And so, former Governor Scott Walker reappointed Dunbar prior to Evers coming into office. And so Dunbar has this constitutionally like right mandated term until 2022. However, Evers does have leeway to like potentially call for his resignation, sure. try to make other changes at the top level. It's part of what makes the guard compelling and also a very challenging topic to, to look at is that it shifts. It's really unclear at any one point, like which personnel are state or federal and really where the jurisdiction or authority lies on any one issue and it can shift back and forth also. Sure. But at the end of the day, the National Guard is a state-based militia force. It was established, you know, when states were still territories and that is very much the spirit and what really differentiates the Guard from active duty military. And that's a, a key distinction that I hope to continue to make about why this is relevant for state government sure. um, because, you know, the Donald Dunbar is in Tony is in Tony Evers' cabinet. He's a secretary, mm -hmm. and ultimately Evers is the one in charge. And so, um, so yeah, the way that it works is the National Guard Bureau authored the report, but then they give it to Evers, and then he decides what to do with it, and that's his call. Okay. So he's getting input. That is. No, that is. I mean, that's, so he's, he'll be getting input certainly from the federal level and probably from senators and, and lawmakers. But at the end of the day, it really right. goes to him. Well, and I do think that, 
I mean, we've actually, there's been issues with the le leadership of the National Guard in California, and there, their legislature put, passed new laws just to try to create some more reporting mechanisms and accountability. Sure. And so, you know, lawmakers, you know, bills which with which, like, Governor Evers would have to sign into law or um, get overridden for anyway. So the, the legislature can also step in and, and make some reforms. But as far as, you know, it's, it's, it's an executive, as far as Dunbar's position, and I think some of the, the top leadership there, that's an executive, you know, agency branch of government. And so, um, so yeah, we'll see. But there's definitely things, too, that the legislature could step in and do as far as really, if they really want to make systemic reforms. Because we've seen that in other states, um, California being one of them. There's been a few others as well. Okay. So knowing that you're going to be working on this story for, and, and this broader level story for some time, um, what will you be looking for in the weeks and months to come? So that's a good question. There's a lot. <laughs> There's a lot. Um, I'm really, the real aim with, uh, with, with, with what's happening here in Wisconsin too is to um, try to understand a broader National Guard system also in light of what's happening here, you know? So I guess part of what I'm looking at is trying to understand to what degree what has happened here in Wisconsin can tell us about systemic flaws in the National Guard as a whole, as far as accountability is concerned and as far as how cases are dealt with. One key thing that is I'm looking into as far as further reporting too is examining the fact that for sexual assault in the military in general, um, for the National Guard, 86% of reported cases of sexual assault happen when members when, when those reporting the assaults are on state time, if that makes sense. Sure. And so the federal government has acknowledged that they don't really know anything about the nature of those cases then. And so, again, look, taking this to a macro look, when we look at the issue of sexual assault in the military, you know, the, the, there's, the federal government doesn't have any idea really systemically of like what's really going on behind closed doors in each state because it's a, it's a state. Sure. It's a classic federal state um, relations kind of issue and so I think that that that's kind of what I'm looking into here and and really hopefully con further trying to understand really how the process works in in Wisconsin and seeing to what degree the you know this report really sheds light on that so it's a it's a very complicated and multi-layered thing to do but um, I'll be on it until May so <laughs> Well, yeah. I, we appreciate you trying to break it down a little bit yes. more um, for those of us who don't spend hours reading these documents and, and can't understand them. Um, and I appreciate you taking some time away from the Capitol for a little yeah. bit to talk about this, but I know you've got stories to chase, so yeah. I'll let you go back. <laughs> yeah, thank, well, thanks for having me. I always appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Wedge Issues. Our theme music is Oh, Wisconsin by Loxley. We'll be back every other Friday with new episodes, so make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you prefer to listen to your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you have feedback or suggestions for me, you can find me on Twitter at jessieopie, or you can email me at j-o-p-o-i-e-n at madison.com. If you like Wedge Issues and you want to check out our other Cap Times podcasts, you should listen to The Corner Table or The Mad Splainers. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.
This podcast has been brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Once again, be sure to learn more at exactsciences.com.